Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and someone who loves locally owned businesses. Um, and, and, and that local ownership I mean, equals shared agency. It's how we build our society together. We don't have to rely on four companies to survive 80% of the beef. We don't have to. We can have our shared agency. And with us in studio today is uh, someone who calls herself a transformational entrepreneur, Sue Marshall. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Sue. Hi, Laura. It's so great to be here. Again. Again, (laughs) again. In fact, it was odd. Yesterday I found an old notebook and it was from 2015. We met each other at the Minnesota Cup. And that year you won a prize. I did. I got into the finals. Yeah. And I I actually had several competitions that year. So I thought, oh my God, I'm onto something. (laughs) And then I meet you. And now here we are. And here we are. So tell us about your company. So Net Zero is a state-of-the-art food upcycling platform that takes byproducts, which is food that otherwise would be wasted in the manufacturing process. And then we recover those and we upcycle those into new ingredients that goes back into food. So these would be things and lots, big volumes that day to day we don't even really think about. Uh, And we're just making sure they get back into the food supply chain. So for instance, eggshells might get thrown away and then that adds more methane and Hurts climate, but if you can upcycle the eggshells. Yes. Yes. Eggshells, which is pretty, most of us know, is made of calcium. So calcium is very important in our daily diets, of course. But also what's on an eggshell is that sticky part that's on a hard-boiled egg. That's really hard to pick off. Mm -hmm. That's actually a membrane that is collagen. Mm-hmm. So collagen is very important also in our diets, and it does all kinds of things for us. And so what's typically happening is you're right, it gets thrown away. And so instead of buying calcium from China that's mined, which involves fracking, um, mm. we can have this stuff. It's already here for us, and there is a lot of eggshells. So we should be recovering those, upcycling them, and putting them into food products. Duh. And so you've been working on this for a long time now. Um, Tell us a a little bit more about um, Net Zero and how it all works. And where we've come. And where you've come, I know, in in all these years, yeah. Right. So with any kind of technology that somebody invents, so we invented this technology, we have it patented. So when I say platform, we connect people who have these byproducts with people who want to use them again. And in that platform is this really cool technology that's patented. But when you do that kind of venture, it takes a lot of R&D. So we took three to four years just developing the technology, taking different versions, perfecting it, trying different food products on it, having all kinds of fun. But that's a lot of work. Uh, We got to a point in our fifth year where we finally commercialized and we have a platform that includes that great equipment up and running and doing its thing and actually upcycling lots of different food products. So super exciting that we're there. Yeah. And a, a kind of a fun story out of COVID and um, and the breweries um, spent grains. So tell us about that story. Yeah. So breweries, you know, we like our breweries. Yeah, we love breweries. Yes, especially the artisan ones because they have great flavors. Uh, behind that is grain. So, yeah, we barley, we're pretty familiar with barley and wheat and um, corn and rye, because if you also like brewers, you might like distilleries, right? Uh-huh. We've got a couple local ones that we love that have become very popular. They also use grains. So when they use grains, they take sugar 
from those grains and make the liquor or the beer, which is what we get, which is great. But behind is the grain itself without the sugar, which is protein, fiber, and the lovely flavors. So what we looked at that and said there is no way those beautiful artisan grains should go to waste. We're going to make sure they're upcycled and used again. So during COVID, I want COVID, to slow you down a little because sure. it's, it's so um, like the average brewery um, uses how many grains? The average brewery will have about four thousand pounds a week. Four thousand pounds call a week spent grains of spent yes. grain, and so these four thousand pounds a week traditionally just get buried, which of course is bad. Well, if you're a big brewery and you're lucky enough to have a big commercial farmer bring a semi-truck every day, then that might go for feed. Uh, if you're a smaller brewery, that's not happening consistently. So unfortunately, it does end up in a dumpster, which is should not happen. It's highly microbial, which means it starts to rot real fast and it gets terrible stench very mm-hmm. quickly. So it's not something that should be put in a dumpster or a landfill. Okay. So what do you do? What are, or what does Net Zero do with these spent grains? So what we do, we have a regional processing center in St. Paul, Minnesota. We just moved in. Yay! The Wycliffe building. And what we do is take breweries locally within a three to four mile radius. And we have lots of them. The Twin Cities loves breweries. So there's not a shortage of that. So we pick up those grains from them the day that they're used, and then we upcycle them. And we bring them to 90% dry, which is shelf-stable, completely dry, looks just like it did before they used it, and then we sell it from there. And we also include some local farmers too because we we don't want to exclude them. We want them to use it as feed too, so it can be used as feed. So right now there's enough for everybody. Mm-hmm. We can eat it in our breads and make all kinds of products with it, and then animals should still get some as well. And a lot of people are looking for less sugar in their flour products, and so the f- sugar is used for the beer. And and then um, during COVID, you produce some flour kind of um, – I don't want to um, – spontaneously kind of came up as a solution. We Tell did. that story because it's a really <laughs> fun story. Yeah, so we had built this beautiful brand new piece of equipment and it was shipped March of 2020 to Tattersall Distilling. It did not turn on because COVID hit. However, we had produced a whole mess of spent grain. We had at least 500 pounds from our lab. So we have a lab up in Lionel Lakes. So we were ready to go. We had that grain sitting there. And about a month into COVID, somebody called me and said, hey, did you realize that you can't get flour at the grocery store? <laughs> I did not. I, you know, a lot of things, right? <laughs> flour is paper, like the cheap flour. thing that's always there. <laughs> I mean, there's no flour at the grocery right? store? Ooh. So, wow. <laughs> And they said, well, you know, you're milling that, right? And I had just started milling some of it with Bakersfield Bread and Flour, a local company. Cool. They're a wonderful company, support net zero and spent grain. Um, and so they said, you should just mill it all. And I said, yeah, 500 pounds. I could mill that. So sure enough, within a week, a couple of weeks, we had it all milled. I packaged it. We have a commercial kitchen. So we made little, you know, pancake mixes, muffin mixes. We were selling it. Integrated with Bakersfield regular flour. So it made a really nice mix. Uh, and then we started selling it on Etsy. And guess who was delivering it locally? Me. <laughs> I became a delivery person. But okay. you know, Laura, it was so precious to be communicating with people who were quarantining and then me to drive to their house and drop off, 
you know, pancake mix, muffin mix. Who would have ever known I would have been ever having that experience? But it, it really was something. Well, and that's it actually um, almost brings tears to my eyes, especially when um, – side out. I mean – you know, we are in a mass extinction event. There's the climate change. We experienced all that smoke in the sky. Four companies control the world. And <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, I mean, all this, you know, and, and so it, it sometimes feels like, what can I do? And then to actually be driving flour that would have got thrown away to people's homes during a pandemic, it just feels very hopeful. It And it was. And it for me, it was what I needed, too, because let's face it, we all had struggles during that time, right? And for me to get in my car and feel like, okay, even I'm just dropping it on the step and waving, <laughs> <laughs> it felt a connection. And everybody was so kind about feedback, which I needed, and pricing. So these this is consumer research at its finest, right on the ground. Right on the ground. And so some exciting news out, a new facility in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. So tell us. Yes. That. So we moved into the Wycliffe building, 2327 Wycliffe Street, and that's in the heart of what's going on um, down in St. Paul, Prospect Park. All those beautiful things were just blocks from there, so we're really excited. But the building itself is all for food entrepreneurs, S- startups, people who want to make stuff and like then see what people think about it and then start to commercialize and go bigger scale. In our ecosystem in the Twin Cities, we've missed that middle ground. You can There's lots of commercial kitchens if you want to start small. And then if you start growing, it's the middle space that there is not a lot for us. And then you can have to capitalize and get your own facility at some point. But there really was a missing middle ground for people like Net Zero, other people who are starting to grow in the food business but need that middle ground. So there are spaces anywhere from 4,000 square feet to 12,000 square feet in this huge, I think of it as more like a campus. It was the old Fisher Nut Factory. So 300,000 square feet. Oh, and I love that repurposing the buildings. Um, And I've done a couple of stories on the east side, um, urban farm prospect and what's happening with the uh, Sears Roof Depot. And a lot of people want to repurpose that, which would be awesome. We'd love to see that repurposed. So so tell us, what does this Fisher building look like and what's it like? It is so beautiful. And if your listeners can drive by because they did murals all over the building, it's so um, community-focused. Uh, you've got the co-op, Hamden Co-op there, Urban Growler, Bang, Dual Citizen, Falafel, Foxy Falafel, all these great places within walking distance. And then these beautiful murals that just demonstrate who we are, in the, especially in the last few years, right? Mm-hmm. And that artistic view um, right on the buildings is just gorgeous. And, of course, then you walk in and it's done so well, inviting. You feel like, wow, I'm in a food building? You know, most of those food buildings are intimidating and not welcoming because you're not supposed to be there. Right, right. No, it's food. It's got to be very... Yeah, not here. It's okay. very entrepreneurial, innovative, and welcoming. And so describe your space. And um, right, I guess we need to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about your space. And we're also going to talk about WeFunder and how, how we create agency by supporting local businesses. Um, right. So... Wonderful. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And we're talking with uh, Sue Marshall, transformational entrepreneur with Net Zero.
Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and in the studio with me is a transformational entrepreneur, Sue Marshall. Um, and Sue, talk again about your, you just moved into the St. Paul facility. When was that? When did you move in? This week. <laughs> Boy, this is really new. It's been quite a week, Laura. <laughs> yeah, it's been a very good. Okay. And so um, uh, people can't see it, but some oh, you'll, you'll, you'll hopefully have some open houses. So how can people, you want to give us your uh, website so people know where they can learn sure. more about you? You can and- follow us on Instagram. Um, it's N-E-T-Z-R-O, so make sure you spell that correctly, N-E-T-Z-R-O. So it's net zero without the E. Right, right. And Instagram, Facebook, um, and we, we do a lot of work locally with different partners as well. We Two weeks ago, we had a great uh, chef dinner at Dual Citizen. Um, where people got to come in and got a ticket and watch a chef use some of our upcycled ingredients and, of course, taste beer. Who doesn't want to do that? Um, so we do quite a bit. We've got a couple of events coming up, so watch us. And then, of course, we will be having open houses and tours at Wycliffe as well. Great. And you just kicked off a WeFunder campaign. So what is that? how does that look? So WeFunder is an equity crowdfunding platform. So I like to tell people, we most of us has contributed donating on Kickstarter when somebody needs help. We get used to going to Kickstarter or a platform like that and donating money. WeFunder is an equity crowdfunding, which means you're able to invest into a company. So NetZero decided that we really wanted to reach out to those people who've supported us. And for years, we've had lots of support, most of that being giving their time, their expertise, and helping us build our company. One thing they weren't able to do is become an investor in NetZero. When you're a startup and you're raising money, people are investors who have big money, large money. So most of us can't do that. And so what we really wanted to do is make it equitable and fair for lots of people to invest in at zero. So we're talking small amounts of money. $250 is the minimum on our platform. And then you can invest a little more and there's different incentives uh, to get that dollar amount up a little bit. But it's not meant to have somebody put their life savings into it. That's not Well, and it's meant. very clear. It says that so many times over and over again. And don't invest anything that you can't lose because investment is a risky opp- opportunity, especially investing in startups. So for someone like myself that's not even really all that aware of the finding world, what's it like for a startup company? How do you start getting funding and what do you need money for? You know, <laughs> right? What do you need money for? Yeah, who, who, who needs money? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so when I started this thing, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life and it's always been in the real estate industry. And real estate's different. If you want to buy a property – You then rent it out or there's some way to make money on the property. And then the bank looks at the numbers and says yay or nay, right? So it's pretty straightforward. But what I didn't realize is when you get into inventing things, that that's not a bank going, oh, great, here's some money. You really have to look at investors who are investing in you in the idea. So there's not collateral like there is in real estate. You have the physical property. In a startup with technology, it's, it starts as an idea, and then you start the R&D phase and the design phase, and then you commercialize. All that time, there's no revenue coming in. <laughs> it's very scary, right? Mm-hmm. So in my case, my husband and I are grateful that you know we're at a point in our lives where we could you know invest our own money. So that's called bootstrapping. That's mm-hmm. typically what big investors are looking that you bootstrapped for certain 
period of time because they want to know you put not only your own time but your money in, and that makes sense. And then you get to a point where you actually need to scale. Like in our case, we're we're making several of these these equipment that needs more money. And then, of course, moving into a bigger facility needs money. We are now selling upcycled ingredients and we're licensing our technology. So we're starting to show revenue, but it's clearly not covering the costs as of yet. So you have a financial projection that will show you at what point then you become revenue positive. So in our case, it's about 18 months. So we still have 18 months that we need to um, give ourselves to get to that point of scale. In the meantime, we have this great facility. And so we thought, let's make it available to everybody to invest in this facility so people can come in. It's We're raising $150,000 and it's going into this facility. So you can come in and see how the technology runs. We have a little collaborative space. It's about 2,500 square feet where we'll have education, awareness. Our partners will be able to come in. So really what's happening now is people get a chance to be part of that. And again, I want to be, you know, I, I'm, I, I am not, uh, I don't want to give a financial advice to people because it's, but, but I know I jumped on it right when I saw it. I just knew it. And one of the reasons I jumped on it is because like you said uh, earlier, I see so many people. It's like, okay, what can I do to improve the world? I can either donate money. It's like, I need to generate money. So, I mean, if I, as I invested, I did invest, um, I, I have a chance of getting my money back. It's not guaranteed, but I might. I might even get more money back, right? Yeah, that would be the the hope is that you look at the company and you say, who is the person who started the company? Who's the team? What is their revenue potential? What are they doing? And then, of course, your layer of how is it going to change the world, right? <laughs> so we're, we're all there. A lot of us are there. We want to do things with our time and money that change the world. So WeFunder, which I love, it gives me a chance to tell the story in a very great way. There's lots of videos. There's lots of – the financials are there. You can dig into all that detail. Right, because you have how much money you pay for rent yep. and uh, their overhead. And uh, so you have all those you details. You get it all if you, you want. You get it all. <laughs> so you can go in there and look. And so uh, where do people get that information? So they can go on WeFunder. So it's WeFunder.com backslash net, N-E-T-Z-R-O, without the E, dot S-B-C. And SBC stands for Specific Benefit Corporation because I do want to mention that. That's very important to me that we are a benefit corporation. Okay, yeah. So B Corp, mm-hmm. um, what does that mean and what do you have to do to be a B Corp? You do have to file with the state and get certified and then there's an annual renewal process. And what they're looking for is what you're stating you're going to do for impact. And then are you living up to that every year? So we all know that there's a lot of talking but not a lot of walking with some companies that say they're changing the world, but when you really look behind the curtain, they're not. (laughs) So in a benefit corporation, you're saying, actually, we are, and we're being transparent about it, and here's how we're going to do it. It was very important to me when I started this company because someday this company is going to go on beyond me, and I don't want anyone to come over and take advantage of the technology we have and, and do away with that transparency and then use it in the wrong way. It's very important that we are transparent and that we're going to do what we say we're going to do. We are going to take a percentage of this and we're going to help farmers. So my my benefit is, you know, not only to take this food and recover it, but really tie the supply chain together so we can all do better together. All do better together and own the economy. 
Mm. Occupy the economy. Yes. Yes, yes. And why eating and enjoying each other and having good beer and community. And um, so, uh, again, so how does this um, – tell us more about how WeFunder works um, for someone who's never heard of it. Because before this, I didn't I, I hadn't heard about it three weeks ago. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, WeFunder is disruptive. Um, and they're not the only ones. There are several of them out there doing this equity crowdfunding. So if you're a startup, you have a choice. There's there's a half a dozen of them that you can look at. Uh, we chose WeFunder because they happen to have done really well with two other upcycled food companies. So I knew that, you know, they were getting the right audience for our space. Uh, and then they, they're number one right now, too, in amount raised. Uh, and they really have a slick process as a startup to get into it. Okay. We're going to take a break, and we're going to talk some more when we come back with Sue Marshall from Net Zero. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and uh, we're talking to a transformational entrepreneur, Sue uh, Marshall with Net Zero. Um, so, Sue, tell us again what Net Zero is. So Net Zero is a state-of-the-art upcycling food platform that includes really cool equipment that we invented. And it takes uh, food that would otherwise be wasted out of manufacturing, such as the brewing process, and then it upcycles it and has new ingredients for new food products. Wow, a lot there. Now, okay, so food waste um, is a big problem. So talk to us about uh, what is the food waste problems we have? So in my particular case, it's called byproducts. So it's products that come out of manufacturing. A really good example is oat milk. Oat milk is really popular, right? Everybody knows they're getting into oat milk. But with oat milk, there's oats that are being thrown away when they're done. So they take what they need out of the oat and then they have these oats left and they millions of pounds is thrown away. And so when you look at oats still having value in taste, in fibers, and proteins, the sugars have been removed because they take that and put that in the milk. Uh, and now we have this oats that's left. Those should not be thrown away. We can feed people with those. Feed, feed people, feed with animals. And so – and you're now doing this in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. So if, if I was to go into your building, what would it look like? The building itself is cool, so you feel really inviting. It's got beautiful open spaces for collaborating and co-working, great big hallways, white and nice and shiny. And then our space would have our equipment in it, and it's fun. It's quite something to watch. <laughs> yeah, and, and you see the material coming in, which is wet and gooey, and comes out beautiful and dried and okay, ready to so go. Okay, so 500 pounds an hour of mm-hmm. food you can, trans- you can upcycle. Transform, yeah. Wow. And then um, – 500 pounds an hour, that, that is so fascinating. And then you also helped start something called the Upcycle Food Association. Yes, so, so I'm one of eight people that started the Trade Association. Uh, we did that. We kept meeting up at food shows, and we have the same interests in taking these products that would otherwise be wasted, these food products, and then making them and putting them back into food products. So – we were at trade shows and we decided, hey, let's just do this. Let's tra- start a trade association. This is in 2019 and, of course, then 2020 came. What really it gave us a chance to do is grow the trade association in a year. So we now have close to 200 members, big companies, Kroger, Whole Foods. They're all forward in on this idea of taking upcycled food products and putting them on shelf. Um, and then in addition, 
innovations happening every day with new food products. So I'm so excited. We have a certification on back of pack next to non-GMO and organic. You're going to see a little logo that has UP, stands for upcycled, certified. So if you have a product and then you have these ingredients in them, you can get it certified. Okay. And so upcycled food, um, is it safe? (laughs) It has to be safe, right? And so that's what's really great about the industry and learning about it is there's technologies such as what Net Zero has, but there's others too that do that in a safe way. So, yes, it's safe. It has to be. The food is regulated. So, you know, people say, well, I take spent grains all the time and then I make a dog treat. That's great. And that's happened for a long time since there's been breweries. But then to turn around and sell it to people, that's a different regulatory a path. So everything that you see that is certified has been through that regulatory path. And uh, Sue, you and I met in uh, 2015, and that was the year you won the People's Choice Prize at the Minnesota Cup. So on a personal level, what has this been like for you to be, I mean, one of seven members of food upcycling, probably no one knew the word, and now it's growing tremendously from where it was? Yeah, I get that question quite a bit lately. And we all you – know, we love our careers. If, if you're lucky, I, I do. You do. Um, and in a lifetime to have something so transformational happen with a group of people to start an industry that makes such a difference in a short period of time, which, by the way, has to happen because we're running into time constraints with all these things with climate change. Um, I feel like literally it was meant to be. I feel like everything that I've done in my life was for this moment. And I'm grateful because not everybody gets a chance to have all these things line up and have a career that has this moment in it. And I, before the show, we were you were saying, yeah, there is this urgency and we often feel that are we doing enough, especially, you know, another storm comes or we hear another animal going extinct and the answer to that is no. I mean, we don't. I mean, the answer to that is no. We are, but but at the same time that that answer is no, um, how do we meet it with um, joy and resilience? Mm-hmm. And Paul Hawkins' new book, um, "We Can Solve the Climate Crisis in One Generation," as you know, I just I love his approach, and and so, but it is taking a lot of work and people like you that are willing to innovate to create to to make. Um, I mean, upcycling just makes so much sense. Yeah, innovate and then support, right? And it takes all of us to do that. So I'm on the older part of this whole adventure. Most of the people I work with in the upcycling industry are younger than me. Uh, So I'm able to work with young people, but we also need all age groups involved in this. And we need all types of people involved in, in, in doing these changes. And I feel like I'm in a place where I can do that. I've seen a lot of different things in my lifetime. I've started lots of different businesses. And I want to be there bridging those gaps. And right now you have something called a WeFunder, so people can become investors mm-hmm. in this company. So it's like it's like being a stock investor, but it happens a little bit before it gets into that public company. Yes. So you want to talk about how that WeFunder works? Yeah. So we're raising money. Um, when you're a company like mine that you need to scale and it's capital intensive, you need to raise money. Now, there's what's called venture capitalists, which is typically what's involved in this stage. So they'll come in with a couple million dollars and they'll fund the next level, which we will do eventually. We've got to pick the right ones. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, I wanted to give everybody a chance to get in now when the company is reasonably um, valued. So if I was a $25 million company, 
most people wouldn't get a chance to invest in me until I go public, of course. But right now, I have a period of time where I can get everyone involved, and WeFunder's helping me do that. So I have this crowd that loves what I do, and I want them engaged in the growth of the company. So for a period of time right now, we're doing that. And then going forward, we will raise larger amounts of money. And who knows? Someday might be public. That would be great. Right. And so um, and so your goal on this WeFunder is to get um, 150000 Yes. And that is for the facility. So when you go on there, it actually states exactly what it's used for. Again, we got 9,700 square feet. It's beautiful. We got to build it out yet. That collaborative center has got to be built out. We have some more equipment we'd like to have. And then connect people in the community. We even have a resident farmer that we've chosen her name is Carla with Iron Shoe Farms because, again, we want to engage everyone along the food supply chain. So that facility is to do that. And I just want to slow down a little bit and understand this different way of raising money because um, if a company – when a company goes public in a public stock where everyone can own it, that's actually a very expensive project for an entrepreneur, right? That's a that's a yeah. big deal. Yeah, and it's not for everybody either. So if if we decide to go public one day, it might be – 10 years from now, and who knows, right? I'm probably not going to be the CEO. I can guarantee you that at that point. But in the meantime, there's these, this technology can deplo- be deployed all over the world, and we have conversations going with other countries. So the growth prospect for Net Zero is really great. So again, if you can get involved now, it's like, face getting involved in Facebook before it went beyond its campus doors, right? Well, yeah, and also, I mean... Do I want to – I mean, um, how do we have agency and have local companies and instead of having those eggshells go and get buried in the ground, they come back, they use the, the – there's valuable ingredients there, this whole idea of upcycling and being part of that transformation in a real way. Yeah, and that's how we created the company. It's a licensing model, so the technology can be available to any manufacturing, breweries, uh, oat milk manufacturers, anybody who's manufacturing that has these byproducts would be able to access the technology through a license, right? So it's not, we're not turning on all these facilities around the world. We're having that technology be accessible to them. And then, of course, they're paying for that. Right. Right. And then that's how our revenue model works. So eventually you could see communities all over the world having a net zero Wycliffe location doing this great work. Let's talk more about this because some of these products are available right now. People can buy it. So this, this, uh, tell us about some of the products available right now. Yeah, we do have a handful of products that we develop for local. Uh, you can get them on Etsy. Uh, pancake mix, mother flower mixes, uh, mug cakes, seasonings. Um, but really what we do is we enable other companies to use these ingredients. Field Theory recently came up with a blueberry pancake mix that's fabulous. You can buy that in stores. Uh, Shameless Pets currently has our upcycled calcium in their dog treats. Both of those are available in the big box stores. So as we go forward here, we're going to see more and more of these food consumer product companies and pet food companies having net zero ingredients. So um, so what what is your vision now? Do you have a, a like a, a one-year plan, a three-year plan? How does that – what is your strategic plan in a 30-second 
Lots of plants. Lots of plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our, our, this year, we're just getting Wycliffe up. It's a proof so people can come in and, and see it for themselves and then license the technology. So by year two, there would be those licenses out there with more platforms, with the equipment out there being accessible by people who need to do that. And then by year five, you're going to see net zero Powered by Net Zero, on back a pack of all kinds of products. That is, um, that's a beautiful vision, and um, I, I want to make sure we get in talking about um, women entrepreneurs because there is a scary fact out there about um, when it comes to venture capital. It's yes. not like fifty fifty, is it? I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh, women no. start most of the companies, but they get very little of the venture capital. Yeah. How does that work? Yeah, so women and people of color don't get access to venture capital money the same. So in women's, only 7% of all the venture capital money that's available for startups go to women-owned companies, and yet we start over half of them. You're right. So that is not accessible to us. So that kind of money, not having that kind of money, doesn't allow women companies to scale fast enough. It's not that we're not smart enough. It's not that we don't have great enough ideas and innovations. It's just it's not getting capitalized. So that's why we have to look at disrupting that system and have some other means of raising capital, which is what WeFunder comes in. Um, and there's other types of funding mechanisms and tools coming to play. And people are starting to realize that women and people of color have a lot to offer in the startup world. So we're seeing some great momentum, and that's exciting. Yeah. And so um, we think of breweries and this whole crowdfunding and how that worked out. And so this idea of crowdfunding investments is a revel- is, is kind of a novel concept. Yeah, it is. And, and breweries were the really the first industry to take hold on it because, again, it's a local feel. We love our local breweries. We see one wanting to start up in our community and we want to help. So we want to invest in that brewery and then we get might get free beer once a month <laughs> for life, right? You see a lot of these things. But really, breweries did extremely well, kind of paved the path and then now other companies like Net Zero are following. And uh, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, I want to address the supplier chain issues because there's been some news stories and we we saw that with COVID that the food might not be there, but if we could learn to upcycle the food and relocalize it, it creates a different economic system, one that works for the planet and works for each other and one that might be a little more fun. Let's do it. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and with us in studio is a transformational entrepreneur, Sue Marshall. Uh, welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. And when we went on break, we are talking a little bit about supply chain issues. Yes, um, we all know what a supply chain is now. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know what that was before. I'm like, okay, so what is a supply chain? <laughs> Right? That, that's all those big barges going in the ocean back and forth from China in here, right? All I right? know is where's my toilet paper? <laughs> <laughs> Can you make toilet paper from upcycled ingredients? I mean, oh, we, there's lots of industrial products that can ma- be made. Um, boxes. I, I had a student team that took spent grain upcycled by Net Zero and made to-go boxes out of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That type of so, – is innovation in the economy one of the big tools we have for solving the cri- climate crisis? That and young people. 
So I'm blessed. I get to go to universities and sponsor student groups all the time and be involved in their projects. And I am, I'm telling you, the things they're coming up with can save our world. So it's not a matter of not having some of these innovations. We just got to get them out faster. And how we fund this, because the, so the traditional way of funding is, is, is hard for small startups, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and time have, consuming. Time consuming. If you have a lot of friends and family, then they can donate. But asking your friends and family to donate to your project is also emotionally, I'm sure, it's tricky. Hard. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us again about WeFunder, why you went with that, and how it works. So WeFunder is an equity crowdfunding campaign. It allows a startup such as Net Zero to access lots of people giving a little amount of money to to invest in that company. And then there's different initiatives, like if you if you do 500, you get some of the our partner products. So that's like the brewery situation where they were raising money and then you get maybe a beer for once a month for life if you give $1,000. There's different I, I actually did that for a couple of breweries of my <laughs> local breweries. I, I love breweries, so clearly I support them in any way I can as well. Great. And so then uh, what will an investor get? Um, I mean, they it, it's not like you're donating the money, but you are investing the money. And so and anytime you invest money, startups are very, very risky and never invest anything that you can't afford to lose. Right, right. So even though it's a small dollar amount, you are getting equity in the company. Now, again, it's small amount because a small amount that that's okay. Again, the way that we funder did it and the laws changed this in the last couple of years is it's easier for a startup to do it. Can you imagine if 200 people gave you $100 and now you have to manage 200 investors? That is way too much work for a startup. But the way we funder and the way the laws have changed is called a special purpose vehicle. And you have a lead investor that deals with me at the company. And so you're just one of 200 in this special purpose vehicle. So every everything can be manageable as far as you know, making sure the documents are correct, that you as an investor get what you need legally, uh, and I don't have to deal with 200, I can just make sure the one person is doing everything they're supposed to. So we have a lead investor, and it's a female. I wanted it that way. I went into this going, I want as many females as possible, and that was one of my goals. So we made our first goal, and we had 65% of those investors at the first goal be female. So I was really excited. Of course, we want to meet our the money goal, but I really wanted to get more females involved. And the money goal is one hundred fifty thousand, yes. and it's raised through this we funder. And right. tell us about your building in St. Paul. So Wycliffe is a. I like to look at it as like a food innovation hub. So all the startups that are doing all this great work, work with new products, uh, new technologies are located in the building. And the building itself has just got a really cool vibe, murals on the outside. It's located in a really cool area by the railroad there by Urban Growler, uh, Bang Brewing. We've got Falafel, Rock, Foxy Falafel, <laughs> all kinds of cute local businesses in the neighborhood. And so um, you're, uh, you do upcycled, and so you have a machine that can take um, well, I'll use the spent grains. You can take the spent grains and then you can produce 500 pounds of something an hour? Mm-hmm. We can process that amount, right. And if the average brewery has 5,000 pounds a week, we have plenty because we – in the Twin Cities, we have plenty of small breweries. So there is enough for us to work with and then get that grain back into the food supply chain. 
through our partners, like Field Theory doing pancake mix, or、uh, We Are Nuts. That's a local company that does a coating on the almonds. They were one of the best sellers at the state fair、Ooh. with their spent grain upcycled. Almonds. So there's lots of companies that are using then those ingredients again. And your vision is to have this around the world, not operated by you, but operated by other entrepreneurs. Correct. And then they're licensing, and that enables them to have the technology. So we all own our own business, and we all make food. I'm kind of reminded of the Shire. It's like at least, but I'm. Is that how you see this, though? Is this what's the idea of agency? I just, I love that word agency and ownership. Yeah, and it's in about our community. Yeah, in our community. Right, right. So if if our model currently we have a collaborative partner called the Upcycled Food Kitchen. So over in Northeast Minneapolis, they have a commercial kitchen. They do all kinds of things with our ingredients, breads. Um, all kinds of cookies and crackers, and then they go to the farmers markets and they sell those products. So that grain that we've upcycled is still staying here in our community through farmers markets through the upcycle kitchen, right? And then we have our, our the local companies I've mentioned already doing products. We have chefs that are doing events with these upcycled ingredients into their menu.、Um, we've had actually pizza being done at the restaurants. Red Rabbit did a pizza. For a week at their restaurant with the spent grains, they love it because it's the local breweries and they support the local breweries. Whether you're a chef or you're a local food maker, you you would always try to choose a local supplier first. So that's what we decided. We create the technology so that that it would enable the community model. I could take the technology and sell it to some big global company, be done with it. But that's not how I saw the vision of taking the technology and enabling that community supply chain. Wow, that is really、um, that is so cool. And you're also a B Corp. So what does that B Corp mean? A B Corp is basically saying when you register with the state that you're going to do that, you're going to do impact, and here's how the impact is going to be. And then that's reviewed every year. So as a company, I'm required now to do the mission the way I've stated it on that filing with the state. So if I don't do it, then I get my certification pulled. So Sue Marshall,、um, Net Zero, tell people how they can connect again with you. You can follow us on social media: Instagram, Facebook, N E T Z R O. Yeah,、Not、so Net、e. <laughs> Zero without the E. Yes, yes, and then on the WeFunder too, it's、um, Net N E T Z R O dot S B C, which is for that benefit corporation certification. People can go on there, and there's a whole bunch of information, and they can look for themselves and see if it's something that they may want to invest in. Yeah, and you can go to our website too: N E T Z R O dot U S, and all the information is on our website. Well, Sue, it's been so fun, and again, we were talking. I met you in 2015, and that's the year you won the People Choice for Minnesota Minnesota Cup、mm-hmm. with your novel idea, and now upcycle f- food generation. Such a lot of growth, and what a beautiful vision! Yeah, and you can come see us soon, Laura. I really、yeah. appreciate your support and、yeah. your investment, and let's、yeah. get her done. Let's get her done. I'm, I'm open for some type of event we can show up to and、uh, have an upcycle world where everyone has enough food and we produce it in a way that honors the earth and. Just、That would be great. Love life burning, right? <laughs> love it. Love it too. So Sue Marshall,、um, transformational entrepreneur with NetZero.us. N-E-T-Z-R-O.us. <laughs>